1: But right now, it's time to speak to one of the main men of SEN Cricket's coverage. Big uh, summer of cricket coming up on SEN. Let's get to him now. Well, when Adam Collins is back in the country, you know we are on the doorstep of a big Aussie summer of cricket. The World Cup-winning Aussies are a fortnight out from a three-test series against Pakistan and a pair of tests against the West Indies as well. And Adam will be all over it once again with SEN Cricket, of course. Colo, welcome back.
0: Sam, it is lovely to be home. Thanks for having me.
1: Great to have you on the same time zone for once. And a, another big summer looms, doesn't it? So we've got Pakistan in Perth. This is going to creep up quick. December 14, we get underway.
0: Mm, yeah, I'm bullish about the Perth Test Match. Like, we've got to keep things in perspective with Pakistan in Australia. They have not won a Test Match here since November 1995. Mm. They've won four in the history of Test Cricket that they've been playing in Australia. So there are there are... Reasons to be a little bit concerned about the competitive balance, especially with Australia going so well through 2023. However, um, Shaheen Sharafridi, Mohamed Wazim Jr. on a track that's quick at Perth, and we know it has been since they moved over to the new stadium a few summers ago. If, if all the circumstances are right, then maybe, just maybe. In all probability, though, this will be the kind of summer that you get where Australians can sit back, enjoy, and hmm. watch them fill their boots.
1: Yeah, and maybe buy tickets to day one and two, and, and, and day three <laughs> might become risky. So coming off what we have, I suppose, Collo, you know, demanding series. Obviously, the Ashes over there, India over there. I mean, is this a chance, if, you, if you're wearing a baggy green, to really embark on a pair of ruthless kills against these two countries?
0: Look, it has to be. I reckon that if you don't make the most of situations like this, like cricket karma bites you in the bum, you know, you've got to... You've got to Cash in when the going's good in test cricket because there are so many instances where you're playing away from home where it's really tough. Like we obviously covered that indoor test match earlier this year, which was all over in seven sessions, it was a complete lottery. Uh, some days in England, when the ball's seaming around and it's so heavily skewed in favour of the seam bowlers. So mm. uh, if you get on a flatty in Australia uh, in nice summer home conditions and so on, especially against the West Indies in January and into February, which will be a whole different thing. I think we've got to try and separate what Pakistan constitutes and what the West Indies constitute. The Pakistan side on their best day will be competitive. They've got some world-class players in their 11. That's a little bit different with the Windies who are in in development mode at the moment. They're trying to find their feet. So first part of the summer, um, laying a foundation, I suppose, and, and making runs, but then the second half of it, um, trying to really run up the scoreboard.
1: Yeah, yeah. So Australia, Colo, obviously, World Cup champs, uh, won the Test Championship, reclaimed the Ashes. But I guess the debates remain. Now, David Warner is central to those debates, of course. I just want to play you a little piece of audio here, Colo. Now, this is starting with the Australian coach, Andrew McDonald, and he's followed by the captain, Pat Cummins.
0: Is Dave Warner going to be opening the batting in the Pakistan series?
1: That'll all be decided later this week. He's a great of our game in all formats. Um, so, yeah, no doubt that's, that's part of it. Um, but, yeah, first and foremost, you always think of the performance side of things when, you, when you're picking a side. Now, when asked, Colo, Mitchell Stark's answer was much the same when, uh, when he was prompted by Dwayne Russell in here. So, as we sit here now, do you believe Dave Warner is opening the batting in the Pakistan series?
0: Yeah, interesting. They're talking about their performances. I don't really see where Dave Warner can can, uh, get a chance to fail and get himself out of the side. If Hmm. the starting point is Warner needs to make runs, okay, well, he'll get the chance to do that wearing the baggy green or or the green helmet. There's no more shield rounds. That's it. It's done. New South Wales played their last game that finished yesterday inside a couple of days. So on that basis, I feel like he'll get first crack at Perth, but maybe it's a little bit like it was in England at the start of the the six-test match run there where he was getting almost two test matches grace. So had he failed in two consecutive test matches in England, it was fairly well briefed out that he would have been dropped, but he never did. He was consistent enough. He made enough of a contribution that it never became an actual real conversation. So we, we might be back in that slot where if he were to have a failure in, in Perth, then they might make a decision ahead of Melbourne. But by that point, he's one test away from the farewell that he covets at Sydney.
1: So mm, mm. I think
0: that might have got themselves into a situation where Um, It's hard to drop him from where he is unless they make the bold call. And the other point to this is that things have changed since June. Um, In June, well, I say June, at the start of the English tour, uh, at that point, uh, they were thinking about getting to the end of that long run. They've done that. That bit's kind of over. So if George Bailey and Tony Dottomay wanted to kind of draw a line under that 2023 campaign that was so successful, uh, then this is the right time to do it. If they change their position a little bit, And knowing now that Cameron Green could be the collateral damage of that and realising how much they've invested in this guy over the last three summers, they may want to do what we were discussing at the start of the interview. They may want Cameron Green to have one of these breakout bumper summers Mm. where he makes three centuries, like Shane did four years ago against Pakistan and New Zealand, where he rocked up at the start of the summer having never made a test ton. And by the end of it, he was near enough to number one in the test batting rankings. They may want Green to do exactly that. Green made runs in the Shield this week. I think it would be cruel and unjust to drop Mitch Marsh based on what he did in England. And uh, more generally, the, the status he's held in as a senior player across the formats now, which is odd to say, given he's only been back in the test side for three matches. But uh, such was how impressive uh, how impressive he played in England. So how impressively, rather. So, yeah, I think that that's that that is more complicated than it was in the middle of the year. Uh, but I don't really see them building a permission structure to dump him quite yet.
1: Yeah. I find it curious that here we are, as we said off the top, what 13 days out from the first test and, and, and none of those three have actually endorsed David Warner for this first test. So it's a a curiosity as much as, uh, as anything, I guess, regardless of when he's phased out of the side as well, Collo, like domestically, um, Cam Bancroft leads the contingent there of challenges through weight of runs, I suppose. Marcus Harris is out of form. Matt Renshaw is much the same. There's, Then there's the idea, I guess, of a pointing from within, so to speak, with the return of Cam Green and shuffling the order. I mean, broadly speaking, do you have a leaning?
0: Well, they've got options. Uh, Look, I originally thought left-hand, right-hand might sway them towards Cameron Bancroft. But then there's a tempo thing. Like, Usman Khawaja has become the best player in the world uh, over the last two years in terms of his returns since coming back into the Aussie Test team, batting at a strike rate of about 40, right? And Warner being the other kind of player in that relationship always strikes somewhere in the 60s they're probably going to want an opener to replace Warner who takes it to the opposition more than Bancroft does Bancroft's more in the collage mold as far as strike rates are concerned but so is Renshaw Renshaw also that sort of more modest tempo hasn't banged the door down in the Sheffield Shield season so far he's got 100 but hasn't had the kind of campaign that demands inclusion when Warner is uh, either wrapped up or wraps up at Sydney. Uh, Hunt over at South Australia, again, he's, he's been excellent over the last few years, but but not batting at the t- type of uh, strike rate that David Warner does. So that that's where I don't think there's a perfect fit at this stage anyway. Hmm. Uh, there might be still room for someone to bolt through the middle, someone like Matthew Short, who they've had an eye on uh, for a long time. He's now played limited overs cricket for Australia. I don't think it'll be quite him, but um, he'll be, I think, in the conversation for a test spot sooner rather than later because he does bat uh, at, at a higher strike rate. I'm not saying that's everything, but just in terms of team balance. And then the recruiting within uh, question. Look, it, it's, a, it's pretty out there. I said this on my podcast this week, but maybe Steve Smith needs one more challenge in his career. <laughs> maybe they say for all of his wonderful achievements over a decade now, uh, remembering that his golden run started in 2013, that in this last little section of his test career, whether it lasts two or three years, that one more challenge might serve him well and going to the top of the list might suit that. I I would be reluctant to move Shane there because shane is who they're building around for the next seven or eight years at number three. He's the main plank in that batting line along with Travis Head at number five. So, yeah, I don't think it'll happen, but that would be... Uh, um, sort of left field way of reshuffling their existing
1: pack. Would it ever. Timing is everything. Cam Green comes out and hits a commanding 96 yesterday for WA and he yep. looked, geez, he looked uber confident as well. Mm.
0: Yeah, I saw the highlights of that. Uh, perfect timing for him to walk out and make runs. There was a, a lot made of uh and Mitch Marsh competing for one spot uh, in the press during the week. Uh, yeah, again, I don't think it's as straightforward as that. I, I, I don't feel like Marsh and Green need to be pitch pigeonholed at number sixes. I think that in the fullness of time Green will bat higher up the list. It's just a matter of whether it's this summer or in a couple of years from now. Mm. And is he better served being in the test side, out of position in the next couple of months, or being out of the test side, getting a break? I am not. I don't think that's the right answer. I don't think leaving Cameron Green out uh, is the way Australian cricket wants to go, having made this massive investment. All of these test matches before he was quite ready, this is when they're meant to get a return on that investment. and This is the kind of summer uh, where he could take the next step and get that confidence, get that muscle memory of making centuries for Australia, adding to the one that he made at Underbone back in March.
1: Mm, And batting at four, gs, he looked good yesterday. Now, just quickly, Adam, it wouldn't be a cricket chat if we didn't raise Glenn Maxwell, just to throw another curveball into the mix. (laughs) I mean, another summer. And again, look, many of us wondering out loud if he should be given another chance in the Test Arena.
0: Of course he should, but I mean, how do you do it is the question. Uh, look, I, I, I don't claim to have any degree of balance when it comes to observing Maxwell's career. Uh, look, I think that the sadness in this is that he, he could have and maybe should have played throughout 2022
1: in mm. Asia, mm.
0: in Pakistan and Sri Lanka, where Head didn't do well. That might have been the right horse for the course. And of course, I think it's fairly clear that he would have played in India this year had he not broken his leg yep. in that freak accident. Uh, back in uh, November 2022. So there were three test series in Asia in quick succession. I mean, had Maxwell got the chance to have played those, maybe he'd be in the conversation for test matches at home as well, remembering that none of his seven caps have come at home. It's a travesty. He always says that, that he's he feels most comfortable batting against the red ball in Australia and England, but He's never been in the frame to play a test match in Australia or England. It's always been in Asia, back as early as 2013 in India. So whether it happens again, there was a piece in the paper yesterday... Uh, talking about 2025 in Sri Lanka. I don't know, dare to dream. Is he still playing international cricket in 2025? There's a World Cup next year uh, in America and in the USA in the T20 format of the game. He'll be near enough 36 then. Um, Whether he's still going around at 36, 37 to play test cricket, the desire will be there. He'll be desperate to add to those seven caps. But um, I don't know. If someone stepped on a cricket ball, Sammy, if Travis Mm. had uh, turned an ankle, uh, two days before a Test match, would they call Maxwell into the squad to bat number five or number six, maybe? Uh, but short of that, I think that we're um, yeah casting forward at least a couple of years.
1: Colo, great to chat. Really appreciate you squeezing us in this morning, and also really looking forward to hearing your voice right across the Test summer on SCN Cricket. Of course, enjoy the time back home.
0: Thank you. Yeah, can't wait to get to Perth.